Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey friends, when I recorded this conversation with Jami in October 2020, it was the first time I ever got really angry during an interview. In fact, I think it remains the only time I've let my rage at the bullshit of how young men treat young women break through during one of these conversations. I'm usually able to have a lot of compassion for all sorts of people, including the young men who behave so badly because they grow up in a society that gives them so many mixed messages about who they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to act. But for some reason, that day, I lost my center. So here's a reminder. It is never, ever, ever your job to figure out how to not be assaulted. If it happens, it is not your fault. No matter where you were, what you were doing, what you were wearing, if you'd had anything to drink, or any of the other shit people might try to blame you with, it is the other person's job to not assault you. Okay, that was a lot. So I am going to segue into something completely unrelated, and it's going to be super awkward. But let's talk about Patreon. (laughs) Today, let's talk about the $18 and $25 tiers. At the $18 level, you'll get a monthly voice memo from me reminding you of lessons from the world of Good Girls Talk About Sex. Plus, you'll get a behind-the-scenes video with most episodes. This is where, as soon as I log off an interview, I immediately turn my camera on and give you my thoughts about the conversation. Things that stuck with me that I want to talk more about, questions I have, whatever's going on in my brain, I'm going to share it with you. You'll also get to participate in occasional polls about what type of content I should create. And here's where the real fun begins. At the $18 tier, you'll also get your hands on a handmade wood-burned magnet featuring the Good Girls Talk About Sex logo made by my very dear friends at Shackleton and Shanks. The magnets are made from unfinished pine wood slices, and they're the perfect addition to any fridge or magnetic surface. Meanwhile, at the $25 level, you'll receive the voice memo, the behind the scenes video, the polls, plus a gorgeous Her Vulva, Her Business, handmade wood burned bookmark. Plus, 10% of all Patreon proceeds go to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. So join the Good Girls Talk About Sex Patreon community today and support open and honest conversations about female sexuality. That's patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to see these gorgeous gifts and become a patron. Okay, now let's get back to today's episode. In this conversation, we'll meet Jami, a 23 year old cisgender female who describes herself as Hispanic, bisexual, and heteroromantic in a relationship and previously monogamous, but exploring with her partner about opening up the relationship. She describes her body as being curvy with a few extra pounds. 
She grew up in the United States and the Dominican Republic. I am so pleased to introduce Yami. Thank you so much for joining me today for the podcast. Uh, one of my favorite things is when listeners get in touch and say they want to do an interview. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. How did you find the podcast? I just searched up on um, Apple, something in regards to girls talking about sex. And <laughs> this was like the third one that showed up and it was my favorite. So, ah, yes. Awesome. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> yes, I'm glad I found it. So. so let's start where I start every interview, which is what is your first memory of sexual pleasure? I was thinking about this one. Um, I wouldn't be sure if I would classify it as sexual pleasure, but the first time I ever remember encountering anything sexually, I was about six years old and I had a friend, a female friend, and she asked me to pull down my pants mm -hmm. and then she just was just touching me in my vagina oh. and she was younger than me. So that was a very interesting thing to think about. In the moment, I didn't know exactly what was happening, but that was, that's the first memory I have of uh, anything sexually. Yeah. Did it, did it strike you in, when you were a little girl, did it strike you as strange or was it just like, oh, this is a thing that we do as little girls? It was very weird. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what to expect. It felt wrong. Mm. Like I knew that if my mom were to walk in, she would be upset about it because I was always taught not to let anyone touch me in my private parts. Oh, okay. So when it happened, I was just in shock. But I also trusted her because she was my friend. So mm -hmm. it didn't feel... It didn't feel good. It did feel a little bit strange and wrong. Mm -hmm. And did it just happen that once or did it happen more? Only that once that I can remember. Mm -hmm. I don't have many memories of when I was younger, but that's one of the very few memories that I can remember. Mm. Yeah, I don't have a lot of memories either. And that can be a little disconcerting sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember if she also pulled down her pants and asked you to touch her? I don't remember that part mm -hmm. at all. Okay. What were you hearing in your childhood home about? So, so you said that you heard that nobody should touch you in your private parts. What were you hearing about consensual sex, if anything? Nothing at all. Nothing. I never, ever had the sex talk oh, ever wow. in my life. Yeah. I've never spoken about sex with my mom or anyone in my family, really. Wow. So how were you supposed to learn about sex? I learned it in school with uh -huh. my friends. Wow. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And was that true? So uh, you told me that you grew up partially here in the US and partially in the Dominican Republic. Um, where were you at different parts of your childhood? For most of my life, I was in the Dominican Republic. Then I officially moved here and only went to visit in the summertime when I was in high school. Okay. So when you were a younger child, you were living in the Dominican Republic. Was that sort of lack of conversation about sex true of most of the people, most of the kids that you were around? Or was that something that was true about your household? I think it was mostly true in my high, my household, I don't remember um, many people telling me if their parents talked about it or not, but they did know mm. about it. I did, while I was in elementary school, I did take uh, some grades. I did take some classes here in the U.S. as well. And here, a lot of the kids knew about it. So it was very different mm -hmm. depending on what grade I was in. Hmm. So you said that you heard about it from other kids. What kinds of things were you hearing? That that's where that's how you can get pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't remember exact moments. I just remember learning that 
when you get your period, then you can get pregnant. Mm -hmm. But something that I've noticed that I noticed that many people don't go through is me growing up, I wanted to get my period. Versus, oh, really? Yeah, it was very interesting. Like, I always remember, remember thinking, I want to get my period. Like, all of my friends have it. I want to get my period soon. It was like a a weird thing because most people feel ashamed when they get their periods the first time. But something that I did learn about with my mom is when you get your period, you are more grown up. So you need to be more careful um, but it wasn't ever a bad thing mm-hmm. in my family. So did you talk to your mom about getting your period? No, we didn't talk about it. We just, she just kind of told me, you know, when you get your period, because she just assumed that I knew that mm-hmm. I need to let her know. And then when I did God get the, my period, I did let her know. And she just gave me the pad. I knew what to do. I don't know how I learned, (laughs) (laughs) but it was more of a celebration than a bad thing when I got my period. That's lovely. I'm glad that you had that experience. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So did you at some point in there start exploring your own body? I don't remember exploring my own body until I was in middle school. Mm -hmm. I never had seen any other sexual acts that I can remember because again I don't remember much of my childhood memories like a lot of the things are like a blur Mm -hmm. but from what I remember the first time I started like touching myself was when I was in middle school and how did you discover that do you remember no idea I think maybe I saw because I I had a computer at that point I think maybe I saw something on social media and Mm. then I started looking at videos online, Mm -hmm. but I don't remember how I discovered that. Yeah. And do you remember it feeling good or did you have to sort of figure your way around there? (laughs) It felt good from almost the beginning. Um, Like from the beginning, I knew that I, I didn't like penetration that much, like fingering myself Mm -hmm. but more so like clitoris stimulation that's something that for some reason since the beginning I knew to do and Mm -hmm. I've always liked that and uh, I'm going to jump ahead here for a second but is that still true when you you still enjoy clit stimulation more than penetration yes Mm -hmm. okay at what point did you start thinking about bringing another person into that interaction with you? In eighth grade was the first time I ever had sex. And it was more so, it's not so much that I wanted to, but it almost felt like I had to Hmm. in a way. Cause I liked the um, one-on-one time, I guess you could say with myself (laughs) And I was scared of bringing someone else in. And I always felt like I had to wait until I got married before I had sex. Mm -hmm. So it was very, um, very different for me, I would say. So you were about 13 or 14 at that time? Yes, I believe I was 13. 13. So you said you felt like you had to. Was that because you were dating somebody that, that you wanted to further the relationship or was there some other reason yeah I was dating someone that I wanted to that I thought I was in love with at the time yeah um obviously I wasn't but I was scared of if I didn't that I would lose him Mm -hmm. was he somebody who had a lot of experience I don't know if he did or not I think that he told me that he did but I don't know if I would really believe that Mm. was he pressuring you to have sex yeah, yeah, definitely. How did you feel? I'm just, I'm struck by the way that you said it, <laughs> that you felt like you had to. That's why I'm I'm pushing a little bit. Did you want to? Um, Not really, no. Like, I didn't enjoy it. It was basically just one time in. Well, we tried it, and then it was not really going in. I don't know what was going on. And then... As soon as I started bleeding, 
that was it. Mm. Like from yeah. there, I just wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. But I didn't enjoy it. It sounds like if you weren't really wanting to be there, there hadn't been a whole lot of touching or anything that you probably weren't lubricated. And that would be why it would be hard for him to penetrate you because there was nothing sort of <laughs> gliding the way for him. And so it makes sense that it wouldn't really work and that there would then be some tearing. Um, I'm sorry that that was your first experience. Yeah. It sounds painful. It was painful, but it was okay after like a little bit after I was home, you know, I just laid down for a little bit. I'm like, oh my gosh, this really happened. And I mean, after that, I didn't want to be with him anymore because I'm just like, this isn't, it just didn't. So you didn't see, continue seeing him? No, that was, that was it after that. Had you gotten any kind of birth control before you had sex with him? No, I believe, I don't remember if he did or not, but I believe he did have a condom. Mm-hmm. So you hadn't, um, obviously, you hadn't talked to your mom and asked her to take you to Planned Parenthood or something like that. Um, but so that was not really on your radar. It was it, the boys took care of condoms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't continue with him. What happened next? Um, the second time, um, it was with a family member that I was telling him, I'm sorry, excuse me. I was telling him what happened and he was being my friend. Mm -hmm. And then he would say, oh, you know, you should come over and we should hang out. And I was like, okay. So I skipped school. When I got there, it was, that happened. Um, you know, we had sex. It wasn't something that I wanted. He just kind of threw himself mm. on me, I would say. And I don't really remember much. I just remember thinking if I'm just still, it would just pass by sooner. Oh, I'm sorry. So was he an adult? He was older than me. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his age. At that point, I was, he had already graduated high school. I just don't remember how old he was. I just remember knowing that he was done with school. Mm -hmm. I can usually maintain a stance of a lot of compassion for a lot of different people and be pretty calm, but I want to fucking punch him. Yeah, that is so not okay. I mean, it's never okay to take care of take advantage of a woman ever. Add on top of that, that he was pretending to care because you were traumatized and used that to then traumatize you further. Ah, that makes me really, really angry. (sighs) It took a while for me to Um, be okay, but I'm okay. Yeah. Did you have to continue? I mean, if he's a family member, did you have to continue seeing him? I've tried my very hardest not to see him. Yeah. I've haven't seen him in a few years, but I did see him after that a few times. How does it feel to be in his presence? Um, I feel like ashamed I don't I feel like if I see him now I'll feel angry but yeah I thought that I did that to myself when I did go to his house Mm -hmm. I was like I should have known to expect this because no but then it took a while for me to realize like no this is not something that you need to be ashamed of like you didn't ask for this yeah Uh, he just took it upon himself so it was Mm -hmm. It is not your job to not be assaulted. Yeah. You know, like 
he's not only is he a family member, but he appears to be offering you the kind of caring that you really needed in that moment. It was not your job to go through the calculus of, is this person in my family going to assault me? You should be able to assume that's not going to happen. No. You did nothing wrong. Oh my God, I just want to fucking punch him. Yeah, that's how I feel too. I don't usually have that kind of reaction, but good God. <laughs> um, wow. How did that change things for you? After that, I never wanted to be around guys. Yeah. Like, ever. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to date anyone or be alone with like any man yeah until like many many years later Mm -hmm. so it was hard at first because you know I right after that I just I had plans to hang out with my friend and I was just like in so much shock and I didn't know how to feel or even like comprehend what had happened it was just like like I was living in a blur. And after that, I just didn't really care too much about sex. Yeah. Were you getting any sort of physical touch and affection anywhere else from your girlfriends, from your family? Um, Not really. Like my family, they're not really like affectionate. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really affection. That's hard. That is a thing that can drive a lot of people into relationships that they don't actually want, because they're craving the physical touch so much. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a hard place to be. Yeah. Um, What was your relationship with your body through this time? I don't remember having a relationship Mm -hmm. with my body after that. I don't really remember much of like what I did afterwards. Yeah. So you stopped masturbating. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what about your, uh, how did you feel about your body in terms of body image? Um, my body image, I don't think it really changed. Mm-hmm. I always felt like, you know, I was just average. Mm-hmm. You know, like some people told me I need to eat more to gain weight. Some people told me I had to eat less to lose weight. <laughs> so I just considered myself to be pretty average. You know, I didn't really think much of my body image or I never really cared to dress with tight clothes or mm-hmm. girly, I guess you could say. I was just, you know, I just wanted to be comfortable. So I didn't yeah. really look too much at my body. Yeah. So I don't know a lot about the culture in the Dominican Republic. Um, but when you just said some people tell you to eat more so you can gain weight and some people tell you to eat less so you can lose weight, it sounds very similar to my Jewish family <laughs> who are like, you need meat on your bones. You need to lose weight. <laughs> so is that part of the culture there? Oh, yeah, definitely. If you're too skinny, they're going to be very worried about you. If mm-hmm. they see that you're eating only a little bit, they're going to put more plate, more food on your plate. (laughs) And if you're overweight, they're going to tell you that you need to lose weight. But, you know, it's by working out. You can't stop eating. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they just tell you to eat healthier, but then, you know, they feed you rice every single day. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, um, you know, pretty much it's always either you're too skinny or... You're too fat. That's just, there's no in between, really. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So were you living in the U.S. at this point? By the time you were a teenager, you were in the U.S.? Yes. Yeah. So how did that change um, your uh, understanding of sex? Like, what were the different attitudes between the Dominican Republic around sex and the attitudes in the United States around sex? Um, In the Dominican Republic, everything was just very different. Because I felt 
like when I was in middle school, I had a lot of crushes, you know, it was like if a guy would like me and I would like him back, we would kiss, you know, but nothing more was expected. Mm. Or maybe it's because of the age difference from when I was in um, the Dominican Republic versus when I was living here. But Mm -hmm. I really didn't know that much about uh, sex or anything really just this is how you have kids just don't do it yeah and like I went to Catholic school so they did not teach us when I was in the <laughs> art they did not teach us anything about sex that's yeah. just something that your friends would know and your friends would tell you about it yeah so no sex education no sex education no not at all <laughs> Because goodness forbid, young people should know what their bodies do. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you always had to wear a skirt under your knees. Like I, the first day of school, I did not know this. And I wore my skirt a little bit above my knees and I was sent home. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, they are very strict in the school that I went to when I was wow. in middle school. Mm-hmm. Attention all lovers, singles, and curious souls. Are you ready to fall in love with your sex life? Look no further than my monthly online class series. The next class is coming up on May 28th, and it is Mars and Venus are bullshit. We're all from the same planet. (laughs) This class is going to change the way you think about gender and relationships. Are you tired of feeling like you're from a different planet than your partner or other people in your life? It's time to challenge the harmful myth that men and women are from different planets and start actually communicating with each other. This eye-opening online class will approach gender in a way you've probably never considered before. We'll dive into the gendered expectations that we all face and how they impact our relationships. We'll discuss the lessons we learned as children that show up in our adult relationships, as well as ways to bridge this fictitious Mars-Venus divide. This class is perfect for anyone who wants to improve their communication skills and better understand themselves and their partner. And gender expectations don't just trip up heterosexual couples. They get in the way of same-sex couples as well, The class is open to people of all genders, sexualities, and experience levels, and you don't need to have a partner to attend. All you need is an open mind and a willingness to learn. This class is part of a year-long series. Other upcoming classes include Timey Spank Me Talk Dirty to Me Part 2, Exploring Non-Monogamy, and Exhibitionism and Voyeurism. Go to leahcarry.com forward slash classes to get your ticket for the May 28th class and fall in love with your sex life in 2023. All registrations include a recording of the class, so feel free to register even if you can't be there in person. Don't miss out on this transformative experience. Sign up today at leahcarry.com forward slash classes. So as you go through your teenage years, at what point did you start becoming interested in interacting with people again, dating and having sex again? Um, Well, when I first started dating, I was in high school and it was more so like talking, sometimes kissing, but I never, ever wanted anyone to touch me. Mm. Like I would be okay with kissing, but I had my I guess you could say my first boyfriend after all of this happened and I felt very comfortable with him you know we would talk I never told him any of this I never talked to anyone about any of this and I remember one time we had gone out on a date and we were coming back home he attempted to touch my breast and I just out of instinct just like smacked his hand oh yeah and then after that I was like I felt so guilty but I noticed that he never ever again even tried to touch me and then afterwards like we barely even kissed or anything and I was you know Mm. 
I was confused as to what was happening, but I didn't want to say anything about it. And he was just very nice and very patient. But it never went more than that. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, I was like, okay, like after we broke up, then I'm like, okay, I feel a little bit more comfortable with myself. And afterwards, I would date more guys here and there. And like, I would be okay with making out. And like, if they wanted to put their hands on my waist, I would be okay with that. But I was never alone in a room until it's hard to find the timeline of when things happened because I yeah. don't remember the dates. Then I had met another guy and then we were alone in a room and we were making out, but it was just just making out. But we were alone and I, was, I felt comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel pressured and I was actually enjoying it. So then afterwards, I started like feeling a little bit more and more comfortable with myself. Um, and then the next time that I had sex, I'm trying to remember my age, <laughs> but it was with my first, I guess you could say, serious boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And I first just, you know, felt comfortable with making now and then, you know, being alone in his room. And then I allowed him to like touch my my breasts under my clothes. And until, you know, little by little, it got to where I was comfortable enough to have sex with him. Why do you think he was different that you were willing to allow him to touch your breast? Looking at it from now, from my point of view now, mm-hmm. I would say that he knows he always knew what to say to get what he wanted. Oh, so it was a little bit manipulative? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. He always knew what to say to always get what he wanted because I kind of like looked up to him because he seemed like this person who had his whole life together and he seemed to be caring and, you know, I really cared about him. But, you know, little by little started realizing that he was actually he was a liar like he cheated on me with Mm. several people he actually I wasn't having sex with anyone else just with him but he was having sex with other people I don't I only know one person because she told me and then I ended up actually getting chlamydia because oh god yeah so then I ended up just breaking up with him found out that Everything that he basically told me about himself was a complete lie. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's because of what you said. I had, I didn't have any affection really, but he gave me affection and he gave me attention and he made me feel like I'm important. Mm -hmm. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Um, I want to go back and ask a couple more specific questions about that relationship. Looking at it from your perspective today is hard because now you know what you didn't know then, but were you having pleasure during those sexual encounters with him? I would. Yes, I would. I would enjoy it. Um, Certain parts of sex, like I would enjoy when I was writing him, for example, because it gave me clitoris stimulation. But that mm-hmm. was really the only thing that I enjoyed doing mm-hmm. with him. Were you coming to orgasms? Yes, only writing him, though. Yeah. That was the <laughs> only way. <laughs> and did he pay attention to your body as much? Like, was he in it for his pleasure or was he also paying attention to your pleasure? Um. I think he was only really paying attention to his pleasure because whenever he would try to do something like, for example, giving me oral, it really, it didn't feel good at all. And it's just, maybe he just tried to do a bad job at it. So he didn't have to. (laughs) Yeah. wish your brain would stop yapping and making grocery lists so you could focus on pleasure and even having an orgasm? It's actually a pretty common complaint. 
We ask a lot of our brains to be efficient, effective, organized, and to never drop any of the zillion balls that we're carrying. But then we also expect our brains to automatically switch off when it's time for pleasure so they don't distract us. Unfortunately, for most of us, it doesn't really work that way. So whether it's you're carrying the mom's mental load, ADHD, keeping up with the big project that's due next week, or any of a million other reasons, we need to help our brains learn how to relax into pleasure. We may even need to teach them how to feel pleasure. All of it is possible. And it's useful to have a guide who can see the bigger picture and help you navigate all the pitfalls that your brain has put in place, trying to keep you safe from having to change. I would be honored to be your guide toward a more deeply fulfilling, intimate life. I'm queer, kinky, and non-monogamy friendly. And I'd love to talk with you on a free discovery call. So visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching to schedule yours. Again, that's a free discovery call to find out if we're a good fit. And you can schedule it at leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That link is in the episode description on the app you're listening in now. Back to the show. So it sounds like you've had a series of not great experiences. You have the first guy who didn't bother to wait until you lubricated. You had the second guy who I want to punch. You had (laughs) the third guy who was paying attention solely to his own pleasure. And then the fourth guy who just sounds like he wasn't even present with you at all. Please tell me. (laughs) <laughs> that you have had a good experience. Yes. yes. Okay, God, thank you. <laughs> I have had many amazing experiences now. Excellent. Let's talk about those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the first time I had sex with my boyfriend, with my current boyfriend now, it was absolutely amazing. Like, mm. he just knew what to do, when to do it, and <laughs> he has just always continued to improve and he has made me orgasm like more times than I could count Yay. <laughs> in one day. <laughs> so yes, I've had amazing experiences with him and I've told him basically any, everything within my sexual past. So he knows me very well he knows what I like he has also done a lot of research on how to give really good oral sex Mm. and he is amazing (laughs) (laughs) and we've explored a lot um like with swapping we've explored in threesomes like with both uh female and with males when you say swapping you mean swapping partners yeah Mm mm-hmm Always, we've always only tried in the same room because mm-hmm. I, we like having those experiences together. Yeah. So we've, you know, we've experienced a lot. We've been together now for, we're going to have five years in a few months. Oh, wow. And we've been having sex the entire five years, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> so it's been amazing. Good. I'm so glad. <laughs> uh, you deserve it after. <laughs> That string of assholes. Um, (laughs) So um, you mentioned before we started recording that you were thinking about talking with him about going from your current relationship structure, which is monogamy with some external play Mm -hmm. um, to opening it up. What are you thinking you might want your new structure to look like? Um, Well, we were speaking about it a bit beforehand just you know here and there we do talk about it and I like the idea of both of us being able to explore Mm -hmm. emotionally with other people because I do think it's possible to develop feelings for other people and to care about them and to just have like a relationship in which you have like your main partner which would obviously you know be him Mm -hmm. 
and also be able to date other people and explore other people emotionally because I feel like with every person you can have a different relationship with and you can you know have a different I guess you could say vibe for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term so you're wanting to experience different things with different people yes so if you are comfortable with the idea of you going out and exploring with other people. Are you also comfortable with the idea of him going out and exploring with other people? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's a level of trust and connection between you that you think will allow you to maintain that primary relationship? For sure. I know that everything that I share with him, I won't share with everyone else. You know, like we share everything from finances to traveling together. We share a home Mm -hmm. and I love him unconditionally. He's also had experiences in his past and his childhood in which, you know, he was also taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been able to overcome a lot together and grow a lot together, but he is the most honest like loving person that I know I'm truly grateful for him but I trust him yeah you know I live with him so I trust him with my life (laughs) um and so I definitely would be okay and I would enjoy for him to explore more of himself and I feel like you really get to learn more about yourself if you're exploring different things that you haven't before and Mm. you know sometimes just talking to someone else and having a conversation, you start realizing things and the questions that someone else may ask you are questions that you may not have thought of yourself. So then you start realizing, Oh wow, I did not know this about myself, but now I do. Yeah. So um, what kinds of relationships are you hoping to develop outside of, this primary relationship? Are you wanting to have like full-fledged romantic relationships with other people? Are you wanting to just date and have some casual sex? Uh, There are lots of things in between those two, Mm -hmm. but what are you imagining? Uh, More so date casually. Mm -hmm. And depending on how those relationships or those dating I don't know how to explain it, (laughs) but depending on how those relationships go, whether you date that person once or if you see them several times and if you talk to them like several times in a week or every day or even talk on the phone. Mm -hmm. And then, but I wouldn't want something so serious in which I would show that person to my family because my family would never understand that. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want him to meet someone that, he wants to his family to meet, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want it to get that serious more so in a fun flirtatious. Like I care about you and I care about your well-being and I like talking to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoy my time with you type of way. So how do you, I'm going to ask you some sort of hypothetical questions because you're not doing this yet. It sounds like, but um, so how do you imagine setting up the boundaries for this kind of relationship? So it sounds to me like the boundary you're setting is I want us to be able to date and even have sex with other people, but um, we need to stop before any serious feelings get involved. How do you imagine um, creating that boundary and maintaining it for yourself and for him? Um, I feel like with everything that we've done, we always start with very strict boundaries. Oh, yeah. Very, very strict boundaries. And then we start building from there, seeing what are we comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And like before, when we first started exploring ourselves sexually with other couples, it would just be like we wouldn't even kiss the like I would be I would be able to kiss the other female but not not the um, male mm-hmm. half of the relationship um and then we kind of just 
built from there to the point now where we're both comfortable with being in separate rooms. And, you know, as long as we're both comfortable with the other couple, and I feel like it would be the same if we do decide later. I'm not sure if this is something that we will do because I would never want to do anything to like harm our relationship because yeah. that to me is the most important relationship now. Mm-hmm. So if so, if this is something that he would be okay with, then it would be just, okay, so for now, let's just explore talking to other people and maybe possibly going on a date with this other person. Yeah. Depending on how you feel, then, okay, maybe, maybe now we could do more in terms of, okay, now you can also have sex with the more people or, you know, just go from there. Mm-hmm. So we always try to build from what we already have. I really like that you are thinking of it in such a sort of small, steady steps instead of like, hey, there's a pool, let's jump into the pool, (laughs) (laughs) which is how a lot of people do it. And it ends up being a disaster. (laughs) But if you can really set up some good boundaries and really have good um, conversations and agreements, something like this can be really successful, because you're each feeling seen and heard and respected. And that is what really creates the foundation for a successful relationship, whether it's open or closed or anything else. Yeah, we're definitely very much in tune with each other's needs. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've never broken a boundary that the other person has set. Because the most important thing between our relationship is respect for one another, Mm -hmm. you know? So if I know that he's not comfortable with me doing something, I'm not going to feel comfortable with doing it. Yeah. And so we always try to respect each other's boundaries, even when we have been playing with other people or, you know, having sex with other people. If we're in the middle of a situation in which we want to do something that is going to break the boundaries, we kind of know to look at each other and we just kind of know if this is okay or not. Mm-hmm. Or he would tell me like, babe, you can, if you want to, like uh-huh. we kind of just know, <laughs> you know, what to say in the moment to make sure to let the other person know I'm okay with this. Yeah. It sounds like you're really connected. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot, especially now in the quarantine. <laughs> we talk <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That is a lot of togetherness. <laughs> yeah. And now it's time for the lowdown. The things we're dying to know, but would usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you enjoy having your breasts played with? That has changed recently. I don't know why. But before, my nipples were very, very sensitive and I enjoyed it. But for some reason now, it doesn't feel the same. I don't know why, but I want to like it again. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been trying to research as to why it is that it kind of feels like I'm losing sensitivity on my nipples. Mm -hmm. Can you orgasm from intercourse alone without additional stimulation? Yes, I can. Do you prefer the orgasm from masturbating or from sex with another person? With my boyfriend, if it's like my favorite way to orgasm is him giving me oral. Okay. That's my absolute favorite way. All right. Um, What kind of touch do you enjoy most? What, What do you mean by that question? Do you enjoy, are there specific places on your body that you like it? Or do you like it really gentle or scratching or? Um, Well, specifically my waist. And Mm -hmm. I don't like it to be gentle because I'm very ticklish and Mm -hmm. I don't like to feel tickled. So I like it more like not aggressive, but more like you're holding me. Like I could feel you holding me and I just like ticklish. Uh I don't like to be tickled at all. How do you feel about your partner watching porn? 
I like it. Anything that has to do with um, him enjoying himself, I enjoy it. That is such a, I love that answer. I mean, I just love that answer. And I think it's a particularly positive answer, given that you want to open up the relationship and explore with other people, because it's so important. I don't know if you're familiar with the word compersion, but it's that is the the um, word that has been created by the polyamorous and open communities to talk about it gives me pleasure to see my partner having pleasure. And that is the space in which it can be a really successful experience to open up. Not to say that there's not still jealousy and all of that, but if you are deriving pleasure from your partner's pleasure, then that means that there's a real solid foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Jami, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I really appreciate you showing up to do this. Thank you for having me. This was definitely fun. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts Or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash good girls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at goodgirlstalk for more sex-positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. 